Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Central Church of Christ podcast. We exist to be a community that seeks God and serves people. We're so glad that you've joined us today. And now, let's get back to the podcast. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Eli, for reading uh, such a powerful passage. And we are continuing with week three of our journey through John. And this week, we kind of focus a little bit more on a particular character, uh, specifically John the Baptizer. And we talked about him a few weeks ago in Advent, but this week we're going to give a little bit of a different spin. We're going to talk a little bit about what it means to bear witness. And that's really the impact of our message today. The impact of our message is the cost of bearing witness. So in order to do that, I wanted to actually have a brief uh I guess you would call it like just a brief statement uh, before we even jump into this message, just to clarify a little bit about what the uh, what the outcome of our message will be. And to do that, we need to just have a little bit of a statement said. So let me just begin by saying this. At Central, per the leadership and per my own belief, we take the whole Bible seriously. Um, there are various interpretations of how the Bible works. If you sit in on any of our classes, you know that so much of the Bible is up for interpretation. But one of the things that we believe by taking it seriously is that somehow this book is more than just another novel you would read. It's more than just a textbook you might find in a classroom. We believe that the very fingerprints of God are upon this book. Even though there are human authors, we don't deny that aspect of it either, that there are different writing styles, that there are different contexts in which the Bible is written. We also believe that God has ordained this book to be our authority. And by doing that, we get a, a window into the real authority over the world, which is Jesus, our Lord. So that being said, we take the Bible seriously. And one of the aspects of that by taking it seriously, is that we can't just look at the Bible, like I said, as a novel or as a textbook. If we look at it as either one of those primarily, this is what happens. The Bible becomes nothing more than a book that we read in private. And it has nothing to do, nothing to bear on the world around us. But if the Bible is more than that, if God has influenced and inspired this book, and brought all of the pieces together and is telling one beautiful story, one amazing drama, then this book has something to say to our moment. It has something to say to our lives. And not just as individuals, but the world as a whole. It has something to say publicly. It is not meant to be kept just as a private devotional. I'm all for private devotionals, and I would encourage you to do that but it is powerful enough to speak to our moment, to our lives, to the world around us. So let's not limit its power. Let's not declare that this book is powerless to speak to the issues of our day, when in fact, it is the right recipe for bringing peace, for bringing justice, for bringing God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So I just want to open with a prayer and then let's dive right into our message. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we have your word. We thank you so much that we teach from it. 
and that we are able to do so in a public way without facing much consequence. We thank you that we live in such a place in such a time that we are able to do that. But Lord, let us not grow complacent. Let us not take things for granted because we can do that. Let us still fit, come face to face with your holy words, with your grand story, and learn to accept the things that are beautiful and to repent of the things that we need to repent of in order that we, just like John, can bear witness to the reality that Jesus is Lord. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, friends, I'm going to jump into my screen share now so we can go through some slides as we have been on Zoom. And one of the things uh, you'll notice is that this passage, like I said, deals primarily with John the baptizer. And our message this week is the cost of bearing witness. If we're going to bear witness, we have to come to terms with the fact that it's not just a freebie. It, there's a cost involved in bearing witness. You, and I want you to consider that today. I want you to consider that there is a cost that comes with this. And one of the questions we'll ask is whether or not it's worth it. We want to find out, is this worth our pain, our struggle? So let's go, let's start right off the bat with an assumption. If John the baptizer in the gospels, if his primary role was to prepare the way for Jesus's first arrival, if he was setting the stage, in other words, then we have to make an assumption about ourselves as Central Church of Christ and as the broader Christian community across the world. Then we have to assume that it is our role, it is our job to prepare the way right now for Jesus's return. That's what bearing witness means. So if I'm going to define bearing witness, we're going to take our cue from John the Baptist. He prepared the way for Jesus's first arrival. He set the stage for the Messiah to come in that moment. And now that Jesus has died, now that he has risen, now that he is Lord of heaven and earth, now it is our job as his ambassadors in the world, the church, to prepare the way for Jesus's return. And we're supposed to do that right now. So that's going to be the major assumption we're running with this moment. Bearing witness means preparing the way for Jesus's return. So we're getting ready and our bearing witness is critical. It's crucial to letting the world know what is actually true, what is actually going on in the world, what is reality. So in the present, we do this by bearing witness to the fact that we declare Jesus as Lord. Now, if Jesus is Lord, I think we've done a really amazing job of saying that Jesus is Lord of heaven but we have not really thought about what it means that Jesus is also Lord of earth. And that's not just in the future. That's right here and right now. If you read the end of Matthew's gospel, it doesn't just say all power in heaven belongs to me. Jesus says all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So we have to consider what it means that Jesus, yes, is Lord of heaven. But even today in 2021, this very moment, Jesus is Lord even of earth. And we have to think about the implications of this. So as we go forward, what I want to really think about are three ways that we bear witness and how we do that, how we go about it. Because if we want to bear witness to who Jesus is, 
we want to be as authentic and true to that message as possible. And the reality is people have bared witness to so many things throughout history, throughout church history. People have sometimes done a wonderful job bearing witness to Jesus, our Lord. Other times, not so much. People have done a better job bearing witness to idols than they have to the one God, the one God that we see in Jesus. So today we want to just ask, what from John's life can we take and understand that we are to do if we're going to bear witness properly to our Lord? So number one, bearing witness demands humility. Bearing witness demands humility. And in fact, I would almost say these go in order because you'll, you'll see when we go to the other two that we can sometimes use the other two as a way to avoid bearing witness. Humility. And we don't want to do that. We, in fact, want to be people who bear witness primarily in humility. So if you're going to go out and share the gospel with somebody, if you're going to go tell somebody that Jesus is Lord with your words, with your actions, the number one thing that people will notice is if you decide that you're going to bear witness without humility, it's going to be very obvious. If you are just in a position to prove somebody else wrong, or if you're in a position to say that I'm better than you because I've got Jesus, then you've missed the point. We want to get this right the first time. We have to bear witness in humility. In John's gospel, it says that John came to bear witness about the light, but that he was not the light. He had the ability to name the fact that even though people were coming up to him and asking if he was the Messiah, he still had the humility to say, I'm coming to bear witness to the light, even though I am not the light himself. The next one is that bearing witness means the one to whom we bear witness, the one we testify about, might not be recognized. Again, in this passage, we learn that Jesus is associated with the true light in the world. But here's the issue. He's the one who made the world, and when he came, he wasn't recognized. It feels really weird sometimes to bear witness to somebody who is not recognized. Classic example of this happened recently, actually. If you go to any number of the political events that have happened recently, if you go to any crowd of people, one of the things you might see if you look, and this is any crowd of people, you might see somebody wearing a cross. You might see somebody holding up a banner that says, Jesus saves. You might see somebody holding a Bible. You might even see people being violent towards one another. You might even see people in this crowd getting out of control. And the thing is, even in our modern context, this does not look a lot different than the first century. Because in Jesus's world, if you wanted to be in the Messiah's good graces, if you wanted to be on top of the age to come, 
you would probably stage a revolt. You would probably attempt to overthrow the powers that be. But Jesus goes about his ministry entirely differently. Jesus comes into the world in relative obscurity. He's from Nazareth. People can't believe that the Messiah would be from Nazareth. He's a carpenter. He's not a military leader. He's not high up in the temple hierarchy. He's just a man. He's just a man. And yet, we learn by the end of his ministry that even though in the beginning he was not recognized, people didn't know that this is the same person responsible for making the world. We learn in the end that he truly is who he says he is. Just because he's not recognized at first does not mean that he's not doing something true in the world. They might have expected Jesus to participate in the revolts of his day, but he didn't. Not in the traditional sense. He led a different revolution. He led one of love. And just like we see revolts today, and we can easily and swiftly condemn them, yet we still see people bringing Christian symbols to these things. We might even wonder, how in the world can our Lord be recognized in that moment? And that would be a really good question. But let me say this before we continue that discussion. Our third point. Bearing witness often leads to rejection. Now, not every time, but often. Bearing witness to Jesus as Lord often leads to rejection. John 15, 13, Jesus says to his disciples, and we're going to get to this point later in the year, the world hates you, but it hated me first. The world hates you, but it hated me first. It doesn't sound like a great job description to sign up for, in all honesty. Like, you're going to go in, you're going to testify, you're going to be the ambassador for this Lord. And you're going to get rejected. Like if you are a business savvy person and you are getting into sales and someone says, by the way, you're going to go knock on a bunch of doors. You're probably going to get rejected 99% of the time. Good luck making any money. You know, you probably say that's not the job for me. In John's gospel, it says that Jesus came to his own and he was rejected by his own, his very own people, the people over whom he was supposed to be king. And he was rejected by them. Bearing witness often leads to rejection. So when we see this wild acceptance of Christian symbols at revolts, of Christian symbols at all sorts of events that we would never associate with Jesus himself, we have to remember that it's not about wide acceptance. And it's not about participating in things that don't look like Christ. Because when we start to act like Christ, strange things happen. 
we get accepted by all the wrong people and we get rejected by all the quote unquote right people. The question is, when we put ourselves into this narrative, when we put ourselves into the gospel itself, we're going to see that society's wrong people are actually the ones that God wants to bless. And society's right people, quote unquote, are the ones that God wants to repent. So if we are going to go forward and expect acceptance from those in power and expect acceptance from those who have incredible amounts of wealth, we're going to go in and expect acceptance from celebrities, you name it. We're going to be disappointed or we're going to compromise our faith. And we're bearing witness to the reality that Jesus is Lord. And when we say that Jesus is Lord, we're not just saying that Jesus is the world's boss, as if he's a cold, uninterested CEO. But rather, we are saying that he is a highly involved, a highly present, humble, caring about the poor, caring about the issues of our day, God, who is in the mess with us. That's the kind of person we're talking about. And that's the kind of person we want to be accepted by in the end. Because through that craziness, through that craziness, God is somehow going to make this world new. God's not going to make the world new through riots. He's not going to make the world new through exorbitant amounts of wealth. He's not going to make the world new through violence. He's not going to make the world new through might through popularity. He's going to make the world new through the obscurity of love in the margins. He is going to make this world new in the ways that we never expected. And one of those ways is summed up so well by C.S. Lewis of how God is making the world new. In The Great Divorce is the story about this man who's taking a tour of heaven and hell. And when he gets to heaven, he meets this person that obviously is famous in heaven. And you'd think this would be like, oh, is this the Queen of England? No. Is this the Pope? No. Is this, you, you name it. And you think of all these famous people and this person who's shining brightly in so much glory is not this famous person. No, this famous person ends up being a woman who had adopted several people on the outskirts of society. She raised them and she wasn't known, but she cared about the least of these. She was accepted by the least of these, even though she was rejected by society at large. And she bore witness to the real Jesus. She bore witness to the Jesus who is in the mess with us. So I want to say this. There's a wonderful quote that I'm about to show, share with you from Leslie Newbegin. I'll read the quote and I'll tell you a little bit about who he is, who he was, I should say. Here's how it goes. When the church tries to embody the rule of God in the forms of earthly power, it may achieve that power, but it is no longer a sign of the kingdom. So in other words, if the church pursues power, through earthly means, you might get that power. 
you might get that power, but it is no longer a sign of the true kingdom. Leslie Newbegin was a missionary, I believe, to Southeast Asia. And he did this for several years. He was there from before World War II, and he didn't, he didn't return home to England until the 1960s or 70s, like in, right when the Cold War was really, really happening. Society changed a lot in that part of the world. And he came back and saw the ways that the church was compromising. He saw the ways that the church was striving for earthly power. And he saw that this is not the true way of following Jesus. It's not the true way of bearing witness to the fact that Jesus is Lord. And that's where this quote comes from. It comes from that context of seeing the church compromise its mission of bearing witness to Jesus as Lord. So we go forward from here. I just want you to have an imagination with me this morning. I'm going to stop sharing my screen for a moment just so I can see all of your wonderful faces. Our role in the world is to bear witness to Jesus. And if we are to bear witness in the same way that John the baptizer prepared the way for Jesus's first arrival, and if we're going to do it for Jesus's return, it's costly. It's absolutely costly. I cannot sugarcoat that for you in any way. It costs something to follow Christ. And the question we're going to ask is whether or not that's worth it. Because John, do you know how his life ends? He's beheaded for speaking the truth to Herod. He is beheaded for speaking the truth to Herod telling him that he was in a very inappropriate, dishonoring relationship. That is the cost of bearing witness. And the question is, are we willing to speak the truth to the, to the events of our day? Are we willing to name the things that are not true of Christ? Because here's the reality. We can sit back comfortably and talk about Jesus or we can also talk about Jesus and then go be Jesus. Jesus wasn't afraid to speak the truth. And the one who laid the groundwork for him, John the baptizer, was not afraid to speak the truth either. Friends, there are events going on in our lives, in our city, in our country, in our world right now. That need the church to truly speak to those issues. Because if we don't, we're just going to let things spiral out of control. That's the reality. That's the, that's the other price we could pay. The, price, the one price we could pay is following Jesus faithfully, even though it's extremely hard. Or the other price we could pay is sitting back comfortably and watching our world, watching our neighborhood, watching our city, our world, our country spin out of control. That's the other price we could pay. Either way, you're going to pay the price. The question is, do you want to engage the world truly as Jesus has called us to? Do you want to engage the world as John engaged his world? Because when we do that, 
even though for many Christians around the world, that has resulted in imprisonment and has resulted in poverty, has resulted even in death for many Christians around the world. The reward is that we are bearing witness to the Lamb of God. We are bearing witness to the one who wants to truly renew this world. He doesn't just want to destroy this world and all of the evil within it. What he wants to do is forgive sins and then make the world new. That's what Christ wants us to do. So what if, you know, like John, who was called to prepare the way for Christ, what if we, Central Church of Christ, are being shaped by God, shaped by Christ, to shape Cincinnati? What if that's what we're being told to do right now? What if we are called to actually have an influence in our neighborhood? What if we're called just by caring about our neighbors? What if that is a testimony to the fact that Jesus is our Lord? And we acknowledge that he's not just our Lord, but he's the world's Lord. And he wants to make all things new. Because here's the thing, we can, like I said, we can sit back comfortably and look at the world and say, you know what, let's just talk about Jesus in private and then not worry about anything else going on in the world. Because my experience is, we all still have strong opinions about what is happening in the world. Even though we won't talk about it in public, we still have strong opinions that we will share with our neighbors. What we really need to be doing, though, is not compromising. We need to be people who are actively engaged in our neighborhood and in our world. And I know some of us live further away and have other neighborhoods by geographic definition. But the point is, if we are just one corner of Jesus's body here in Cheviot, Ohio, and the greater Cincinnati area, what if we are called to bear witness to Jesus in such a way that we do it in humility, we do it knowing that people might not recognize Jesus, and we do it knowing that oftentimes it leads to rejection. Will that be worth it? And I want to give you a resounding yes, because here's the truth. We are headed towards new creation. We are giving the world this message that, yes, things are a mess, even in our country right now. So much is uncertain, but we are going forward towards new creation. We're going beyond the United States of America. Like the United States of America will not last into eternity. What will last is the kingdom of our God, because the kingdoms of this world and revelation become the kingdom of our God. And that's the one kingdom that lasts. So I urge you this morning that even as you look out into the world and you see the mess that's happening in our country, that you look beyond that and you remember that you serve the Lord of heaven and earth. You don't serve anybody else primarily. You primarily serve Jesus. And by doing that, you're going to do crazy things like loving your neighbor. You're going to do crazy things like showing up to Bread of Life Cafe and donating groceries so people in need have them for a month. You're going to do crazy things like come to youth group 
and talk about the Bible, even though it's so such a crazy book. You're going to do crazy things like worship with people who are just as broken as you. But our witness is not perfection. Our witness is acknowledging our brokenness, coming to the world and saying, Jesus is Lord. We know the world around us is broken, but we're trusting a God who is redeeming us day by day. And through that redemption, he's going to make so much of our world beautiful even before Jesus returns. We trust that. So let's come to God right now. Let's just ask that he would continue to make us the kind of people that can go out into the world boldly and humbly and bear witness to the fact that Jesus is Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we come to you as people who acknowledge our brokenness, who acknowledge that sometimes we think we're bearing witness to you, but we're really just bearing witness to our own idols. Sometimes it's pride, sometimes it's self-centeredness, sometimes it's greed. And sometimes it's things bigger than that. But we know that as people who have been forgiven, that we want to go forward in such a way that we can bear witness truly to Jesus. We bear witness when we are humble. We bear witness when we don't expect people to recognize Jesus. And we bear witness even in the midst of rejection. We look at the life of John and we might think it ended tragically, but John knew something better. John knew there was resurrection. John knew there was eternal life coming. It was only a matter of time. And God, maybe we can go forward shaping Cincinnati, knowing that it is only a matter of time. So we lay before you all of our all of our fears, all of our anxieties about bearing witness. We just ask that, just as Isaiah the prophet said, we say, here we are, Lord, send us. In Jesus' name, amen.